You don't like Limp Bizkit. No. <laughs> <laughs>
Max. Okay. This was an album, uh, like everyone else in the world, I've heard Epic a whole lot. Um, but when I was in high school, you showed me this album overall because I asked you about the song. Who are you Epic. pointing to? You, Nicholas. Sorry. Um, Not a visual medium, as Brett would no, say. No, that's true. Uh, and I listened to this album a shitload when I was like 16. Um, and then Faith No More kind of faded away from me because I just kind of forgot about them for a while. Um, the, you know, I've always, I like Mr. Bungle. Um, but aside from kind of Mr. Bungle's last album, I haven't really listened to Faith No More in a really long time. But I always loved this album. Brett? Super cool. Moving on to me, huh? I bought the CD in high school at, where was it? It was like the the mall in Mission or something. I was with Nick. Do you remember? I don't remember where you bought it from. I do remember when you bought it, though. We were like kind of into Red Hot Chili Peppers at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only early Red Hot Chili Peppers. You I, I were, had been... They were cool. Yeah, I mean, I had been a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers because my uncle, they're like one of his favorite bands. and yeah, uh, they used to be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, no, the early stuff I, I really do... I think I put it on now and still enjoy I haven't listened to them in a very long time, but... Um, yeah, no, but I remember when you picked this up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, I remember... We kind of got into it together, so our story's kind of the same, I think, yeah. in, in the inception of finding out about this band. I remember buying it and going home and that night listening to it, and I remember about halfway through, the album takes a turn. Mm -hmm. I remember... I don't... I don't know if we were texting then. It was the 1970s. <laughs> we but were. I, I either called you or texted you. And I was like, dude, this album is way fucking different than we thought, you know. But I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's when I also first really gave them a chance, other than just, you know, like everyone in the world knowing Epic. Um, I, I will say. Uh, without getting into the opinionated portion of this uh, deep dive yet, that um, this is an album uh, that I have constantly listened to since getting into it back then. So it's been well over a decade that I this has been in my rotation since then to some degree. I don't feel like I've ever really taken much of a break. I mean, like... I mean, it's not like I listen to it every every day or every month even, but it's always something that I put on pretty frequently, and I really enjoy it. I probably haven't listened to it in in, in five years or so. But See, I, I've still listened to it. Still brought on a couple tracks every now and then. That's about what I would say too, Brett. Like, it's some some songs always in my head. I can, you know, at the drop of a hat, I can remember the whole song. But it's been years since I've listened to it. This, I would is, this is one that, one of five in high school that I always kept in my CD player that I've that I brought to school. I feel like this band is, I'm only realizing it now going back and deep dive listening to this album that I think that this album and this band as a whole is like a sleeper agent favorite of mine. Like I never, hmm. if you would have just asked me point blank, it, it's a band that I've st stuck with the entire time since I found out about them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, okay, but, but who is Faith No More? <laughs> For those of you listening at home, 
And you're like, who's this Faith No More they're talking about? Faith No More is a funky, fun rock band <laughs> from San Francisco. Yeah. You don't California. look around and ask us. Oh, yeah. I, I can check could, that. Could remember for San, from Francisco. San Francisco. They, they are San from San Francisco. Francisco. San Francisco, California. Uh, Bring a notebook, Nick. Huh? Bring a notebook. I got it on my phone. Right. Anyway, um, uh, the core group of the band started uh, playing together in a band in uh, 1979 mm-hmm. through a couple Damn. of incarnations and uh, name changes. They used to uh, tour with sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, when they finally got like an established lineup, which consisted of uh, most of the guys we're going to be talking about today on the, this album, uh, Billy Gold on bass, Roddy Bottom on keyboards, Jim Martin on guitar, Mike Borden on the drums, and Chuck Mosley on the vocals uh, for the first two records. Um, they had some, you know, mild success. They toured a lot. Um, there's stories of them like playing house shows at this point, but still just like playing whenever they could, wherever they could. Um, they started to gain a little bit of uh, traction and a little bit of radio play with uh, Introduce Yourself. Um, and then 1988 hits, um, the record companies. Are we going to talk about um, that era of the band more than that or just? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, they, they were forming their sound. Um, the, the albums were, if you go back and listen to them, I mean, they are. I think you most, a lot of people listening would know the song, We Care A Lot. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, atmospheric like '80s arty rap rock. I just wanted to back up Nick. I think getting to the story of how Mike Patton joined this band is important for talking about this album. True. Well, we can establish we're, a little. We're going to get there. But the the whole point is is that you know they had a pretty unique eclectic style even in the first two records garnered a little bit of attention and uh when 88 rolled around uh the record company was pretty set on them you know like looking like okay they're they're probably gonna have a good one they were liking what they were hearing from like the new material uh chuck mosley uh was fired slash left um for a multitude of reasons that's one thing about faith no more is when you talk about member changes there's always uh contradicting stories between the band and the members, and it doesn't seem like a lot of like really harsh, bad blood or anything. I haven't researched any of the, I, I don't know anything about Chuck Mosley leaving the band. Uh, what Mosley, I read is that Chuck Mosley's like his, his uh, roadie punched Jim Martin in the face or something like that, and then they Jim got Martin broke his hand yeah. fighting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had like at the time they they were saying he had like a, some pretty heavy drug problems, and so Mosley's out, and they get this new guy from this little band uh and his name's mike Patton. you're gonna talk about where they met him because it's funny you can tell that story if you want okay i'll tell it's real quick they were playing like a pizza shop or something like that and him and his friends were there that's how they met that's the end of that story is that really that's the story you wanted to tell yeah yeah it's just funny that they met mike Patton at a pizza shop that they were playing (laughs) hilarious (laughs) pizza shop that's really funny you were trying to down. You were trying to knock my story of trying to talk about the formation of the band, and then you bring up the pizza shop. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good story. So I they got this new guy, Mike Patton. Will it work out? Let's find out. Oh God! <laughs> wow. 
Are, are, are we doing a whole retrospective of the band to like, find out if it works out? Or <laughs> all right, so um, I guess let's go into our award rating section. The good. Hell yeah, let's do it. All right, I will say this is the first album that we've done. That uh, though I don't okay. If you're unfamiliar with how we do this, um, we do the good, we do the bad, and then an overall. Um, how I kind of section my notes is overall good, and then I have good for song specifics. This is the first album we've ever done that every track is on my good list. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk There's about a lot of rip songs. Hmm. I don't yeah. have a. I have a. I see. I funny. Have a lot of notes. I only have bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Turns out I was a fucking idiot when I was a teenager. <laughs> I can't believe they're <clears throat> rapping hip hop over guitars. I uh, funny funny story real fast actually. I was talking to uh, uh, my girlfriend Elena when we were listening to this record, and uh, we were saying like, "Oh yeah, I think this podcast episode will be good." You know, whatever, blah blah blah. And I was telling her, I was like, "I'm really interested to see what Dennis says." And she's like, oh, yeah, he's either really going to hate this or he's going to surprisingly like it. And I was like imagining Dennis just listening to this on his own. And he's just like, wow, they're taking hard rock and mixing it with the hip hop. <laughs> I'm getting higher than a treetop right now. <laughs> I, I would just like to point out that when we're reviewing this album, we are including the two tracks that were added on to every CD issue after the original vinyl release. Yes. So we are talking about the War Pigs cover and yeah. Edge of the World. Yeah. Is that a cover? Edge what? of the World? No. Okay. No. No. I didn't know. But I would normally say to skip those, but spoilers, I love Edge of the World so much that... Uh, Edge of the World. I'm sorry, I heard an echo in my <laughs> headphones, so I Great. said it all fucking weird. the frog. But... I like it so much that I wanted to talk about it. So, um, anyway, yeah, let's get into the good. So, um, I'm gonna give my quick blurb of just like overall. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> with this record, um, first first impressions, first just general thoughts. Um, uh, I think the production is practically perfect. Um, it's a tad retro, but it still sounds great. It sounds like early digital in a good way. There are a couple times during like War Pigs where the drums, when all the instruments are doing something and Mike is singing over it, you can't hear him. It's kind of just like a cacophony. That's the only problem I have with the production. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think it sounds great. You could still like, I, I don't know. To me, it still sounds like it could pass for like a modern album. Yeah, it's totally clear. Yeah. I, there's nothing, there's no yeah. issue with it. I yeah. love the way sounds the good. bass and the drums sound. Yeah, oh god, we're gonna talk about the bass and the guitar tone a lot. <laughs> but, Billy uh, MF and Gould, he's great. Gould, is that how you say it? G O U L D. Gould. I watched an interview and people were pronouncing it Gold, but I don't know. Next, you're gonna tell me that Mike Patton is pronounced Mike Mike Patton. Patton. Mike Pattonstein. Patton. <laughs> oh, but speaking of Mike Patton too, one uh, thing about this album that I put on the good side as well. It's a bit more specific, but um, apparently Patton only had uh, two weeks to write all the lyrics and the vocal melodies. Seriously? Yeah, because he joined the band and the album was already done. That's why the structures are kind of basic wow. compared to like earlier Faith No More and later Faith No More. That's that's was, why I wanted to talk about the Chuck Mosley stuff mm -hmm. because it's 
night and fucking day. Yeah. The vocal style, at least, the music is similar. It's like, it's funky. I will. Metal. Uh, I don't even, you know, mm-hmm. atmospheric keyboards. But the vocals are insanely different than what they were on the previous two albums. Yeah. I would say just in general, comparing this record only to the Mosley stuff, I actually think that this album, as much as I love it, is actually less like, like the songs are varied for sure, but I feel like it's less experimental with the songs than the previous albums were, and especially the later stuff with Patton. But um, this is almost in a way like their most basic album, and it's still very eclectic. I thought the Chuck Mosley stuff was like, a little too experimental you know or, it, get, or it gets kind of wild not not necessarily in a bad way it took me a long time to get into it i should have listened to the chuck mosley stuff more before we did this because i can't really remember much of it um i've not spent a whole lot of time listening it's a lot to it. it's a lot more varied than you'd think it would be like i don't know it's it's hard to describe yeah like to to add on to that like this album especially with the mike Patton stuff it's almost a completely different band from just the their sound on Angel Dust. And then, you know, if you go from this album to their new one, Soul Invictus, 100% different band. They are a musician's band through and through. Yes. <laughs> That's for sure. You can tell, and this is something that I was kind of saving for overall thoughts, but Mike Patton is, is like a weird, eclectic, uh, virtuoso genius kind of, you know. You can tell he came in and made this his band. And Angel Dust is a completely different thing and the next album's a completely different thing in the way that Mr. Bungle albums are like that. Yeah. Well, that's this why album, Mr. Bungle albums would be like that in one song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bungle's first album is, you know, like insane circus metal and then their last <laughs> album is elevator jazz. Like it's, it's bizarre. I realize how funny this must sound if anybody's listening to this that just like has no reference for this at all. We're like, we're like, yeah, what? it's like circus metal. Mr. Bungle? <laughs> <laughs> Not saying this is completely obscure stuff, but if you, by chance, are listening to this and have not heard of any of this stuff, it's it's really fun to get into if you just want to like deep dive on some weird music and some cool stuff. My ass is on fire is the classic Mr. Bungle song. <laughs> yeah, true. That's the first it's one I heard. Not funny. My ass is on fire. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about faith no more. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he only had two weeks to write the melodies and lyrics for this record. And once you hear that, compared to the later stuff that they do... You didn't write do, any of the music for this? No, it was already written. Wow, that's crazy. Was yeah. it most of it written for Chuck Mosley? I think I've read yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think they were developing a lot of these songs when Mosley was still in the band. It would have been such a different, flatter thing, you know? Yeah. My, uh, Mike Patton brought it to, like, three dimensions. He really I did. Know. I mean, he's just... He's just great. We're going to talk about him a lot, obviously. <laughs> Did you know that he has a, in in popular music, um, him and Axl Rose have the biggest octave range? Axl Rose has like a five and a half, and Mike Patton has a six and a half. Did you read that on BuzzFeed? Uh, no, I watched a couple videos on it. It's like all I over the internet. I, do, I can't believe that. No, there's, a, there's like a 20-minute video of Mike Patton going from the lowest note to the highest note, in multiple songs, multiple performances, everything. In all of popular music? Yeah, like radio music, yeah. Man, I, I couldn't believe that. I think that the highest 
octave range in the world is some dude. He has like 10. I mean, I know him and Axl Rose have a good range, but they're not like peelers, you know, or crooners. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, you know, other general thoughts, at least, okay, before we get into those songs, uh, bass and guitar tones are great, tasteful keyboards all over the fucking record, drums are insanely accurate and impactful, awesome, Mike Borden's great, I saw him play with Ozzy when I was a kid. Nice. It's awesome. Um, let's get into the tracks then. I'll start this. The keyboards in this song, and from out of nowhere, the opening. I remember being 16 and being like, music can sound like this. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's a great opener. It has a uh, funky, like, I don't know, almost like a, <laughs> like a pop punk feel to it. Yeah. But it's got like that really... Uh, uh, moody and like chorus, like the way the instruments are played and whatnot. It's it's like this weird like it is expansive, dumb, vibrant thing. That dumb big power chord. that's the pop punk part. Yeah, yeah. it's such it's such just like an like an epic opener. Epic's track two, Max. <laughs> the vocals are soaring and cool. Mm. Melodies are really good. That that really was one of the songs for me as as a kid when I. You know, I realized uh, how much I love the sound of keyboards pretending to be instruments. Like, it just, it sounds better to me than real instruments. I just love it. It's like synth strings that he does this whole album. Yeah, I love, I love the keyboards in this album. I think this, so uh, I think From Out of Nowhere sets up the tone for at least the first half of the album. And we'll talk about how the tone kind of changes, but it, yeah. it's kind of, a, it's it's got really good, like, R&B kind of soul vocals with like atmospheric synth and like heavy metal guitar. Yeah. It's just it's a great. good uh great opener. It's really great. It does set the tone pretty well for at least the first third of the album. Yeah. This album is almost built into thirds. Like the first three songs fit really well together. The next three change the mood. And then the last three are kind of their own thing too. And then there's, you know, the cover and Edge of the World. But, yeah, no, it's a it's a great opener. Um, as we'll move on to the, the old elephant in the room. Uh, epic. Um, this is one of those songs, and I know that, uh, like, pretty much every other album we've talked about, and most albums we'll talk about that have a giant hit song, I'm usually really against the uh, the hits and whatnot just because I've heard them a lot. Like, and not necessarily that I think any of them are bad. I'm going to stop you there. I love hits. I know, you do. Hits are great. <laughs> they're hits. Yeah, they're hits. Some hits are just so overplayed for They've me. They've got good yeah. riffs and good choruses. That's what a, that's what a song should be. Well, what I'm going to say right now is that this one I'm not really sick of. I still like it. I can still listen to it. This song is super eclectic. I love <laughs> yeah. This band is eclectic, but this song, the only reason it's a hit is because it's just really well written and it has a great chorus. Yeah. Which, which it's, it's, it's a fascinating song because the first minute and a half, you've got the chorus at least twice. And then it gets into the weird, dark, like moody middle section, comes back for the chorus and then spins forever on that, that moody what section. It? <laughs> That's my, my coworker said, what are you listening to? I said, I'm listening to faith no more. He just looks at me and goes, what is it? <laughs> it's gotta be the only song they play on the radio with like 
black metal style vocals. <laughs> Probably. This is one of those songs too that um, I feel like after knowing that Patton wrote the lyrics and the melodies like within a short span of time that when he named these songs like this one, he just heard the keyboards in the intro and he's like, oh, that's epic. Yeah, it is. It's a working <laughs> title for a song. Yeah. And you could tell they just never named. Yeah. That's like every every song title on this album is a working title. I know, some yeah. of them are pretty specific. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But Epic definitely sounds like a working title. But yeah, no, uh, like I said, it has the the Epic keyboards, which I really enjoy on it. Uh, the guitar solo on the song is great, too. I mean, like, uh, yeah. just very melodic and cool. It's almost like Ride the Lightning era Metallica or something. Like it's just There's also some that, cool... You know Jim, Big Jim? Is that his name? Yeah. He, he Jim played Martin. in high school with Cliff Burton. Yeah. Yeah, I remember so reading he, that. He is like a thrash guy and faith no more toured with metallica too like a couple of years after this black album tour with guns and roses really yeah they were the openers and they just talked shit on gnr and the press the whole time and got in trouble that sounds like fun yeah i think they had a lot of fun maybe i don't know that's when they started to like reject the mainstream stuff and they made angel dust and started hating everybody yeah yeah which i really respect (laughs) and i like a lot (laughs) you could tell they they kind of accidentally fell into radio music. Yeah. And then they pulled back. Completely really rejected it. Yeah. They were like, nah. nah. Well, that's, that's what I love about this band is that, you know, Epic is a huge hit. And for their next album, instead of just doubling down on that sound and, you know, s- polishing it up and making a full album of it, they're like, let's take fucking evangelical commercials and I'm going to write lyrics out of the questionnaires <laughs> I'm going to have a song about being a fat dude living in an RV. <laughs> They're just like, let's do what we want to do. But, you know, that it's, being said about it's, them. It's oh, almost uh, just how they fell into it. You can tell because musically it's pretty similar from their stuff before. But Mike Patton came and did just this amazing stuff on top of it. That you can tell he was kind of, it sounded like he was kind of joking, making pop choruses and things he's doing like a an r&b woman voice you know his delivery on some of these songs the first three tracks actually sarcastic yeah and that's very relevant if you watch videos of them playing live He, he took the piss out of like every performance they did like on tv around this time yeah like uh i watched an mbt mtv awards where they did epic and during the whole um like atmospheric outro, you know, mm-hmm. he's on the, he's laying on the floor of the stage flopping around like the fish in the yeah. video, you know, <laughs> for like a minute and a half. He's just on the floor, like having a seizure. And he'll just, he'll just ruin a part too. Like he'll just do like, he'll just go, what is that? <laughs> and shit. Like, did you know, uh, he was only 19. Wow. On yeah. this, which, which is another reason like his, his vocals stand out for me so much is that he was so young. But it, it's, it, it seems to me that, like, just right then, Lightning was in a bottle, you know? The the parts that they were writing were perfect for the parts that he would come in and write. And it kind of just turned into this radio, you know, at least half of it is, like, kind of a radio-worthy album. You know, yeah. we're, we're talking a lot about how they went on to really reject the mainstream and all that stuff, but... One thing I really like about them is they didn't take that stereotypical path of 
hating their hits or anything like that like they still play them live and they still have fun with it and they never like talk bad about any of their material like they like they're very honest with everything that they've done and i and you could tell they believe in it no matter what even if it did happen to be you know a hit song and that's not really what they wanted i guess or maybe they wanted it at the time but then once they got it they were like nah what what else was the single from this album falling to pieces which is my favorite song. My way. favorite too. Really? High five. God, I love that song. Yeah, dude. Got that funky bass through line. Apparently there were five singles. Was uh, From Out of Nowhere one of them? Yeah. Edge of so, the World charted, I think, in some other countries. Yeah, that was that was the last how single. Many, and how many Surprise other, You're uh, Dead was released as a single too. Really? What? <laughs> That's how weird because other, I never uh, knew that one until we got the album. How many other um, uh, lounge songs about pedophiles have charted as a single? Dennis is looking it up right now. <laughs> uh, 25. Six. <laughs> Close. 33. <laughs> wow. But yeah, and, uh, Falling to Pieces is great. It's part of that triad of that style of Falling this album. Falling to Pieces is the I think the best song on this. It's this should have been the hit, and they probably meant it to be. They did. I mean, they did have a video for it's it. It's just the simplest, catchiest, funkiest it's, one. It's such a good song. I it's love how locked in, in the uh, bass and drums are, which they are for like the whole album. But this one in particular, they're just they're just grooving the whole time. It's great. It's, I think it's the most um, this and epic, and from really the first three songs are pretty equal and how they encapsulate this sound of th- these guys making, you know, their their catchy side. How they tricked the people. Yeah, yeah this, this oh. song's really interesting because it's the last, it's, what's interesting about it to me is that it's, it's long, you know, it's like a six minute long song that is a very stereotypical, like, pop rock structure, but um, they lengthen it and then for the next couple songs, there's nothing like it, you know. Oh, they never go back to this style after. I would say "Underwater Love" is very similar. I think it's more like a different style of poppy. But yeah, it's it's it's. This is definitely where the change in the album happens from the end of this song to "Zombie Eaters," where they go, "Ha, we tricked you." This is yeah, yeah, this is pure like white boys doing R and B, hard rock, you know, which is what you picture if you think of Faith No More. Yeah. Well, most people picture. The first three songs are what people thought they were getting when they bought the CD. Yeah. And then they bust out like a, a Death Angel riff, and they're like, surprise, you're dead. Which is aptly titled because of how it makes the change in the album. This is the one where I remember either texting or calling you, and I was like, dude, this, this turned into like a thrash record. <laughs> I, I have a distinct memory. It's um, the Jim Martin song. My f- the v- the best part is that it just it, even to this day after hearing this song hundreds of times, I love that fucking line when he goes into the chorus. Where he just that it's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when it's it goes not- into the straight. Yeah, I love this. That's good shit. Dennis, you have nothing to say. You truly have nothing to say. It's got good riffing. It's got good riffing. I haven't wanted to say anything. All right. This is Nick's time to shine. I thought about, in the intro, changing the name of the podcast to Who's Going to Be the Asshole This Week? Oh, but 
Okay, last thing about Surprise You're Dead, uh, how I was talking about the album is kind of built into thirds, kind of. Uh, Surprise Your Dead starts my favorite portion of the album, which is three songs of Surprise Your Dead, Zombie Eaters, and The Real Thing, the title track. Uh, but let's get into Zombie Eaters. Uh, this is like the first uh, really moody, heavy song on the album. Uh, the fucking raunchy bass tone that kicks in after like the acoustic intro thing. I love that tone so much. That fucking like slight distorted, overdriven bass is so fucking good. I almost get sad. I love the acoustic part of this song so much. I almost get sad when it stops. Um, but then that fucking bass. Darn, darn. Let me, me ask you something, Nick. Does the first section of that song remind you a little bit of There Stood the Fence by Toxic? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of in the same key, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I listened to that album recently again, and uh, I actually thought of that. <laughs> when I was because I've only been listening to this and then like something else, and uh, yeah, it kind of does. Um, Which album is that on? Think this. Would you call that the fake thing? What? No. Oh, <laughs> toxic's the fake nice. thing. We're gonna <laughs> do. We'll do think this someday. But um, spoilers. It does kind of sound like that. Yeah. It's funny, but yeah, no, I. Uh, you know, the lyrics on this one are a bit goofy, but I do feel like Patton's uh, performance of them I is great. They almost overlap so goofy, they're really cool. It's I, like talking about an omniscient demon baby. Yeah. And he. Ha- and or he, I don't even know. His tone is like that perfect blend of kind of like he's trying to come off as like sadistic and like. Sadistic and sarcastic. And yeah. He's very 90s. And this is 89. Yeah. It depends on my mood. If I think the wipe my butt and piss me is stupid or But he okay. says that part so serious. Wipe yeah. my butt and piss it's me. One, it's one of the only times he sounds really serious I on know. the album. It's just funny. Like, but uh, I think this is the like artistic centerpiece on the album. Really? Yeah. yeah. I could, I could sure. see that. I don't know. I actually think that's more the title track. Yeah, it's a title track. I think but, these two songs are inseparable. Zombie Eaters and The Real Thing are so similar in their structure and I think Zombie style. Eaters is better written than The Real Thing. Real oh, Thing is man. a lot more repetitive. Ooh. The Real Thing mm. definitely about so six serious. minutes in, I'm like, oh, the song's almost over, and then I forget. It, it starts again, basically. We're gonna... but... Are we talking about Zombie Eaters or The Real Thing? Uh, it's zombie eaters, but, well, we're comparing. But I mean, no, no, like, I forgot. Know, I, I literally... We're talking about Zombie Eaters. But, okay. um, well, the last, like, I mean, those are my good points. You know, I, I love the song, but um, it has the fucking... Uh, the the big moment the big big centerpiece of the album the wow oh yeah the He's wow so is the best fucking wow it's like keep me hot keep me strong dude the the wow is is like one of the best parts it just gets you fucking into it you could tell like we've been talking about how he you know I guess he just joined this band and wrote the wrote everything in two weeks yeah you you can tell by the amount of rapping that's on the next album. Versus this one that, like, he did it because that's just what the band had done. Yeah. You know, like... He was trying to acclimate. Yeah. And it's, again, it's almost, like, sarcastically done. That's a... But he's really uh, fuck just good at it. Yeah, he is. He's great. <laughs> Nick and I were talking about it a couple weeks ago. But that's one reason why I've always felt, felt that Jim Martin left was because Mike Patton showed up and all of a sudden the band is, like, 
energized and it's going in his style. Yeah. And Jim Martin got kind of butthurt. He's like, I wanted a wacky thrash rap band. And then Mike Patton was like, <laughs> you see my, you see my red, my red glasses. <laughs> and yeah, I've always felt like there was, I mean, if you Mike watch Patton, interviews, there was a lot of, there's a rift between those two dudes. Mike Patton, you could tell, didn't want any two songs to sound the same. Yeah. And they never did. Yeah, they never did again. Jim Martin, I have a theory about kind of why he left as well, and I'm sure it was tons of reasons, but their stories are also contradicting, and they seem to change every few years whenever they talk about it. So, I mean, it's one of those things that we'll never really know, like, a straight answer. But I I kind of – we'll talk about it after when we kind of get into the overall a bit. But, I'm, uh, yeah, like – but, no, Jim Martin, I mean, he brings – I mean, I guess I could say this about Zombie Eaters and just the, the songs in general, I guess. But uh, he brings that metal edge, like, really well. And, he's like, a, he's a great riff guitar player. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. He's great. He knows when to pull back, too, and let something else shine. They all get their opportunity to shine. I don't feel like, I, I feel, the thing is, is, like, you know, I've, I could see someone maybe thinking, like, oh, like, you know, they hear a song and they're like, oh, the bass is too loud or too over present or something but i feel like they all shine and they all complement each other so well they're just like it's like when we were talking about the deep purple album they're all just on fucking top of their game yeah i mean like and they're all just great like so i mean you can't fault them for any of that shit i mean even even the keyboards on this album the keyboards are super prevalent but they're never overbearing and they're never not given enough spotlight i know well. i would i would even say like if we, it would to look at the album as a whole the one album that or the one instrument that stays in the background is the keyboards but, but they they have their own in woodpecker from mars like that's the showpiece for the keyboards when they're know? when they're present they're fucking great too yeah like i mean actually dennis they yeah, hold down the fort but just in general i know we're getting sidetracked from the uh track by track but i'm uh what do you think of roddy bottom as keyboard player what do you think of roddy's bottom uh i think he's good yeah i think it's all pretty tasteful that's, that was one of my overall good notes was that keyboards were tasteful through the what whole you, record. Um, it's, it's pretty simplistic, not in a bad way, stuff. But he, he basically holds the chords down, and then Woodpecker from Mars is the one where he actually, you know. He's got a sweet, I was going to ask you, what do you think about his riff, his keyboard riff in um, The Morning After? Where it's like, ba da 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 ba You know what I'm talking about? Like the main keyboard line of that song, it's got a really interesting, like he holds out a note, he does a little trill, and then you expect him to keep kind of going with the keys, and then he hits back to that long note. Do you know what I'm talking about, Nick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I thought the keyboards in the pre-chorus of that song are really good, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yes. (laughs) It's good stuff. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, anyway. um, Hold on. Zombie Eaters. Huh? Anybody have any else to say about Zombie Eaters? Uh, I think Zombie Eaters is uh, very dark, very dynamic. I think it, I do think this that's the artistic centerpiece of the album. My favorite is Falling to Pieces. I think this is technically the best song. I could see that. Yeah. Real thing. I know we're about to talk about it, but it. Let's just. I'll just segue right into it. Real thing. Yeah. I think is similarly um, adventurous. But it's a little more repetitive and less um, less interesting than Zombie Eaters and less dark. I like the when they get like really dark, they're good at that. 
I would agree with Brett. This song, I love this song. I feel like a minute could have been shaved off. The but uh, the chorus just isn't as good, and it kind of repeats over and over. Not, it's not bad, but I think this is the best song on the album. I I love this. Agree. I love the drum intro. I think it's great. I'm it's... I'm comparing to Zombie Eaters solely because that's what we were talking about. And they are similar. They are they are similar songs. Um, but no, the real thing is my favorite song on this album. Uh, it's been my favorite for a long time. Actually, I have, I have quite a bit to say about this song. Um, uh, it's this is the part where I get to I get to ramble passionately for a bit. Go but for it. Um, I love the fucking moody intro, um, the way the drums come in, and it's just rolling like that. And then I love those drums so much. It's so good, dude. And like you know, the funky drums, the heavy instrumentation. And I want to particularly talk about Mike Patton on this song um, because I feel like not just uh, melody-wise, but lyrically, I feel like he really went somewhere with this song. Um, I I feel This is a visual thing, but if you look at the booklet, this song has two to three times as many lyrics as any other song on the album. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the longest song. Uh, but even, listener, even, I'm listen. I'm I'm looking at this, and I can confirm. <laughs> even even zombie eaters. It I is mean, significantly longer. That's all of zombie eaters, and then the real thing is almost twice as long. It's point five to one times as long. But one point five to two times. It's good math right there. Yeah, I don't need to uh, necessarily quote specific lines or anything, but just as a whole, I really feel like he went somewhere with the song, and it just it really connects with me. I f- it's it's one of the those rare songs where the mood of the music and the mood of the lyrics and everything fits so well together that like but at the same time like it's 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 transcendent of itself because I can listen to this song when I'm happy or sad and I can interpret it in different ways to where it matches my mood no matter what and like, yeah, I guess on the surface level, it's one of the darker songs on the album. But I really feel like it just—I I don't know—it—it—it it, it represents a broad spectrum of emotions. And much like the album does as a whole, it's—it's um, it's an eclectic song on its own. And I just—I just really love it. Um, it puts me in like a focus mood. Like I can listen to this song. I listen to this song all the time when I'm like trying to get in the mood to like write. Really? Yeah. Like, because it just puts me in this broad span of emotions that I can, like, kind of just be zen. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Um, it is a really good, like, super epic, like, minor feel. Like, sad, but hopeful. Yeah. Like, it it, I guess it hits all the right buttons for me. That's the perfect description of this song. Especially for that drum beat. That drum beat I, is kind of I usually of like, nail it. You do. <laughs> My favorite part of the song is the outro. Where it's just like that kind of, it's kind of like weird sounds and the drum beat mm-hmm. for a little while. I just, I love it. It's good stuff. And it's still got the raunchy bass at the beginning too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Dennis? Yeah. You said it was your favorite too though? Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, Mike Patton's best vocals. I think the arrangement's the best and the song's dynamic. I mean, the instrumental is, I mean, just as good as anything else on the album. Yeah. I think it's the best song said it's definitely the best for me i wouldn't 
I wouldn't even really say by like a super long shot that it's the best, but I just feel like the connectivity of where, like I said, the lyrics and the vocals meet the music, I think it does it better than any other song on the album. What's your second favorite? Uh, Underwater Love. I do like Underwater Love. Honestly, I'm really partial to Woodpecker from Mars. <laughs> but uh, there, uh, there ain't even any singing in that. I know, but... Um, this second would probably be Zombie Eaters. All right. And then from out of nowhere. Can I ask you a question, Nick, that you may not know the answer to? Mm -hmm. Do you know, had they decided on this album title before? Ooh, I don't know because I, I don't think, they didn't have any lyrics or song titles until Patton wrote it all, so I'm assuming they named it after that one. Really two weeks before they recorded? Mm -hmm. That's insane. Well, they already had like most of the music recorded. He just had a very small timetable to write everything and then do the vocals. That's unreal <laughs> for how good it is. Yeah, for hey, I know, right? It makes you appreciate it on a different level. Yeah. But yeah, those those are my thoughts on the title track. Like I said, by far my favorite song on the album, for sure. Yeah, it's just in my to, top ten. I would say even, you know, I'm not this type of guy. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis, for laughing at that. <laughs> I would say I'm not even this type of guy, but like I would say that this is one of my favorite songs. I this <laughs> like just in general. I'm wow. probably I'm probably wrong. I think the the chorus on this it sounds like he's straining a little bit, and it's not. But he, and it does that over and over again. It sounds, it, it's too repetitive and sounds a little strained to me. Not that I dislike the song and not that he's doing a bad job, but I think they could have varied that a little more. You can't refuse the embrace, Brett. Uh, no! <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, but Underwater Love is a catchy poppy tune. Underwater Love, Return to Form. <laughs> what? I They're bringing it back. That's a, that's a catchy pop tune. Can I say wonderful organ sounds on this one? Yeah. You guys I mean, like that? The Love keyboards literally sound watery and floaty. Yeah. It's, it's organ like and then my... it goes... I love this song. Just... Just... <laughs> It's Just like Epic, I feel like Patton heard this and was like, yeah, that's the water song. <laughs> also, there's like two lines where it sounds like he's drowning somebody yeah. like in the lyrics. <laughs> but then it's back to just like love. And it's like, wait, is this kind of about drowning somebody or drowning yourself? This is, I, I put down as the... Max uh, is on the lyrics right now. What is this song about? It is about that. From what I can tell, because right. I'm in the same boat where you know the line where he says li "liquid seeping into your lungs." Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is the most like that's the line that catches me, and I go, "What?" And I think that's on purpose because that's one of the few lines that's like very clearly there's not a lot of instrumentation behind it. It's yeah, like very clear that. <laughs> See, but, my mind. But then always you're heard listening, that. and there's nothing else like that. Yeah, my mind always heard that, and then I was like, "Oh wait, they're mermaids and they're in love." <laughs> liquid seeping into your lungs, though. So here's here's if what you're he a fish. Says. He says, I can't escape your stare. Oh, shit. Liquid seeps into your lungs, but your eyes look so serene. It's wonderful wonderful how the surface ripples, but you're perfect, and I cannot breathe. Okay, yeah. now it's very obvious what the song is about. He's in love with the girl, and he drowns her. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
this to me is the most but that's kind of subtle this to me is the most sarcastic of the poppy songs yeah it's in the way it's, it's written the and the song. lyrics obviously it's the lightest song on the album I'd yeah say. and the i don't know floatiest yeah it's I, I think accurate it's, I, I love this song i think if and they weren't trying to do a half and half thing but if they were this would have been perfect on the first you know first as part the fourth it. song mm-hmm. yeah you know? yeah it's always i always felt the the structure of this album is a little interesting where they they open up with poppy upbeat songs they get they get heavy and kind of introspective for a little while and then they go back to sub four minute uh catchier songs well i don't want to say the morning after is like a catchy song but underwater love feels like it's the first song on the album again you know yeah i, I love that this feels like two different albums like two different half albums you know i think this is a hidden gem and i think it's overshadowed because it's in a really weird spot but yeah. i think if it was earlier on the album it would it, it it'd make more be, sense yeah make not only that but it would be more recognized you know or more yeah better remembered i agree with you on that uh I'll talk about the track order of this album later, but I feel like that's something that that needs to be brought up. I will say I don't consider it as much of a negative now, but that's because I've been listening to this album for so long that this song and the morning after actually it took me a long time to really get into because I was in the mood of the real thing and zombie eaters for so yeah. long that I was like, I was like, Oh, this is weird. They kind of, they start they, originally they were in one ear out the other until I, you know, like I said, I listened to this album so much that like I, I eventually really liked it. That's, this, that's exactly how I remember it from high school. I remember being, you know, you're in the yeah, mood. We from, used to rock the first fucking eight tracks of this, yeah. or six tracks of this, like all the time. Surprise, we knew every you're fucking dead, word. zombie eaters, real thing. And then underwater love almost feels like filler. Yeah. yeah, but I, listening to it now, and actually really, really listening to it, it's like this is just as good as the first four tracks. It's Underwater quality. Love and The Morning After were the ones that I didn't remember. Yeah, when I listened to this album again, uh, they're the they were like the kind of two where it's just they're they're in a weird place. They're yeah, like you said, they they they're like extremely good filler where they're not filler. Yeah, but they're in a their placement on the album is filler a little bit. Yeah. That's the first like five times I listened to this album. I didn't even remember these two songs. Yeah. And then I listened to it again today and I was like, Oh, I, I kind of like how these are more subtle. Mm-hmm. Like, but the track order, I'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll talk about it later folks. But yeah. Um, let's move on to the, uh, morning after, uh, like I said about Underwater Love, um, this one originally, when I was you know a teenager, this was a sleeper for me. But this is really great. It's uh, it's a lot like um, Falling to Pieces, where uh, the bass and drums in particular have a ton of great like locking in moments, where it's just like it just hits and it like brings your attention to like the rhythm and like it's just it's 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 a cool song. I like it. Hey, let it me is. ask you this. Does the intro to this song with the bass, does it remind you of We Care A Lot? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It does That's a lot. the only Chuck yeah. Mosley song I know. This one, I think, it has a lot of the dynamics of all the other, uh, the last, you know, previous five songs. But I think it's less interesting, and I think it feels less thought out. Yeah. And when you said that he only had two weeks to write the vocals, this is the only song on the album that I thought, what he's singing sounds rushed. 
Like it doesn't sound. This doesn't sound like. There's no great hook. Yeah. There's no great verse. Like this sounds like he came in and really quickly made something up. Well, even the song title, "The Morning After," it just sounds like something he was thinking of like that day. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah. I don't. I I think. (laughs) I don't want to get into it yet because it's saving it for our world famous section, the bad. But this is one of the few songs that I kind of feel like it doesn't really go anywhere. It's I, kind of like even the ending of the song, it just it just stops. But um, like I said, I mean, it it's probably the most filler song on the album. But I do like it. it I does, think it's a good it song. It does still have every song. element of that is good about this band. It's, yeah. It's heavy metal funk R&B. It's just in the context of so much awesomeness, it comes a little short. Don't say awesomeness. So you should have Not, said. Don't say that on the. You podcast, should have said wind sauce. You should say wind sauce or something. Wind sauce. You should have said this. This album is so so epic sauce. Try bomb.com or something. Skeet skeet skeet. <laughs> it's skeetastic. <laughs> say I wouldn't eat this. This album is gangster. Um, you know, I love the keyboards on this song. <laughs> We're kidding, Nick. We're teasing. You're a good boy. Thanks. Woodpecker from Mars? Yeah. This is my second favorite song on the album. <laughs> it's, it's pretty really? much mine too, man. I, I, I love fucking this love this song. song. But, uh, okay. I will say, I've this talked... Song's, this song's crazy. <laughs> you love this song. I know yeah. you always have. But It's another, like, it's... You You can tell Big Jim, right? Yeah. He he must be behind it. Because it's that, like, triplet triplet thrash. I don't know if he was credited on this one, actually. Yeah. It's the same feel as. This might have been. It's one. the same feel as Surprise You're Dead, three four, you know, three quarter time thrash, and then, um, I think Zombie Eaters had some of that feel, but it's. Uh, yeah, Woodpecker from Mars is a Jim Martin and Mike Borden song. Okay. I always thought this cool. was a, a Roddy Bottom song. Like I always felt because like of that keyboard melody. Yeah, yeah, I always felt like this was a song that he wrote. I would, I would, guess, that hearing you know hearing everything that we've heard mike uh what's his name mike Patton didn't have enough time to make lyrics for this song and the keyboardist improvised verses and shit maybe you know actually while i was listening to this out because it, it almost sounds like that i listened to this album again today and i was kind of i was listening to this song with the perspective of how would vocals fit into this um and it does it is kind of a song where vocals would fit but I also do feel like it was written as an instrumental. Maybe. Um, it's hard, you know, because you could, if you just imagine those keyboard lines as vocals. Could be. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool Eastern vibe. Yeah, it's, it's very Egyptian. Yeah. Kind of, you know, speed, speed metal, triple D thrash. I had a note in here about this song because um, i've talked about it a couple times through this album about how you know certain members of the band have you know they just have that really like locked in feeling of like it's like almost mechanical but it's just like passionate playing and uh this is like locked in the song like the whole time like yeah. it's just great the performance and, is incredible and it's the one the roddy bottom's a keyboard player right mm-hmm. yeah. Roddy's, Roddy's bottom he's he's really subdued like 99 percent of this album he just lays back and lays down the pads but on this, this is the one where he, and the, uh, what's the last song? Edge of the World. Edge of the World. Yeah. That's some pretty good piano stuff. But this is the only other one where he really kind of gets adventurous. Yeah. And, you know. And it sounds great. It sounds excellent. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's like, tasteful. That's the, 
Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not a shredder, but he's he never misses a beat. Yeah, I just put about this song too about how it's just a cool, crazy instrumental, all based kind of around like a relatively simple core idea, but they just take it in every possible direction. Yeah, like that they can, and like, and it's just it's great. It it shows off the range of all like every member's playing ability, and um, I was uh, you know I I know that we talked pretty early about this, about how we were going to talk about the CD version with the Warpix and edge of the world. Yeah. But I tried to think of this song, this listen for the first time ever as if the album ended there. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's kind of a cool ending. If you just had like if the this LP was the album, that'd be yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. Be great. Like, I mean, we'll talk about the Warpix cover here in a bit and you know, spoilers. I like it, but um, you know, I mean, I could do without it. Like, I mean, like, you know, I, I could do without yeah. it. The cover? Just, I think, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. think there's nothing wrong with an album that leaves you wanting more. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a actually a really good thing. I think so, too. And and just thinking about Woodpecker from Mars being the last song, I was like, that would be kind of a cool closer. That's a, yeah. that's a cool ending to the album. It's subversive and weird. Yeah. Like they, like they obviously like to be. Yeah. It's just a new way of thinking about the album that I've listened to for so long. You know, I mean... Like, so is that the original? That's how the vinyl was? The or? vinyl ends at Woodpecker from Mars. But the CD was released... The same year, yeah. yeah right. So it's and not... it always had War Pigs and Edge of the World. So it's on almost it. an incentive to pay more for the CD or something. Yeah, I guess we're in, in that day. transitional period. What do you What do you cover. What do you think about War Pigs? Fun you... cover, uh, the drum and bass uh, funkiness in the verses. I really like. I think it's a really faithful cover. You can tell it shows the band's roots, and uh, it's a very cool update. I like how they sped up the heavy parts. Yeah, and I feel like for. For 89, they, they really did lean into, uh, you know, it is, it is very faithful, like you said, but it it really, it works as an updated version of a classic song. Yeah. It, could, it could almost yeah. sound like, if you didn't know this was a cover, it could just sound like a song on the album, a little bit, to me. Mm. I, I mean, it could. It, this album is weird enough that it could. Yeah. yeah. I like that, I like that they put it in because this is a band where you don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. And this is them saying, this is where we're coming from, you know? That's one thing in the interviews that's funny if you watch from that time. They, Roddy Bottom and Billy Gould or Gould, uh, there was one interviewer asked a question, what's the question that you hate getting asked the most? And they were both like, what our influences are. <laughs> they just were so fucking sick of it. <laughs> um, and then they'd ask him what kind of music they think they play, and Mike Patton would always just say, like, death metal or something like <laughs> god he sure was witty huh you don't like mike Patton. no you're about to spill it yeah i don't i i can understand why someone wouldn't like him but i i like him I he's, he's funny he's very bart simpson yes he is he can be very hard to uh if you're not tuned in to the kind of weird he is he can just come kind of come across cross as an asshole yeah I like it. But what, with, with, so you got nothing good to say about War Pigs, Dennis? I think it's a great cover. No. I think nice. I think and the only changes they made, they even did the weird like doubled solo, you know? Mm-hmm. The only changes they made, they sped up the heavy parts and then the mm-hmm. the Mike Pattonisms, you know, where you go, "Oh!" <laughs> that really Really one of his only exclamations well only vocal lines like i hate or i don't hate but i don't like that he does on this album is when he's like for the scenes oh you know? i love it 
I like the who, but the I feel like he. That's his. Like that. That's his like sarcastic black woman voice. <laughs> I feel like he's. <laughs> I feel like he's rather tame on this cover compared to oh, the rest of the album. Yeah, he's yeah, dialed I mean, back. I feel a, like a Jim Martin in the studio, just like, you are not going to fucking disrespect fucking Black Sabbath. It's a, faith, it's a faithful <laughs> cover, but they did put their stamp on it just yeah. enough to, you know, it really works with the album, I think. Yeah, I, I typically and, don't really care much for covers that are very straightforward, but this this is one that is very, um, it's, it's straightforward, uh, but it sounds like also it's Faith No More playing playing it. Um, but also it's War Pigs, you know, it's such a good song that I'm not going to skip it. Yeah, yeah, I think it it really shows where they're coming from, and I mean that in a way that in high school, when I got the CD, we looked and said, War Pigs, these guys are cool. You know, like, literally, <laughs> these guys are cool because they did a Black Sabbath Wait, song. Wait, they know about fucking Black Sabbath? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it shows who they love. They love the same guys we love. They do. That they do. They do. Yeah. That means a lot to me. It does to me, too. Especially at the time, it did. But, yeah. That, uh, that was nice and sentimental. It was. Well, you know. Cap it off. Edge of the world. I love this song. I love this song, too. Ending with an old school jazzy lounge song. Yes, please. Do, 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 I think this, this is, like, the most subversive, weird ending. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. It just makes a, no sense. It's also a song that they almost constantly have in their set list. Really? They always play this, yeah. There's tons of videos of them playing this. This, this is me. the song that, to me, defined what Faith No More would sound like. Every album has songs like this after it. That's true, yeah. Um, they always do some I like type it. of And those are these. always the best songs on the album, too. The heavy songs are always, to me, a little bit filler. I like the... Was it Mr. Bungle or was it Faith No More that did Easy Like Sunday Morning? That was, that was Faith, Faith No More. No More. Yeah. yeah. That was on the next record, yeah. Was it? Was mm-hmm. that on Angel Dust? Mm-hmm. They also did the theme from Midnight Cowboy on Angel Dust. Hmm. Yeah, they, um, no, it, Edge of the World, yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, got that jammy feel, and with Patton's vocal delivery, it's, uh, it's a staple. For no them. guitars either. I love it. There's no guitars on this song. I would, uh, to me, I would not call this a staple. I think it's I think it's good, but silly for this band and not in a bad way. It's a it's a ridiculous way to end their album. They make it kind of silly live too. Patton will always make the audience do the snaps at the beginning. This, this song album, this album is this is a this is at <laughs> least a hard rock album and then they do like a lounge song. We'll see. They don't and care that's, about your. your no, I know. Brett. I know. That's what. But when, that's what I'm saying. That's the most '90s thing. Like, yeah. So what? We do a lounge song at the end. When Dennis They've was had that attitude, the entire time. <laughs> like, I know. Even now. I, I like, mean, I think it's a weird but very cool way to end the album, and I like the song. I also feel like Patton's voice fits surprisingly well in a song like this. I mean, I know that like that's pretty. That's a pretty divisive statement, but I He is an R and B singer. I think oh. I think it fits. You don't and I think like so? It. Oh. You don't think so at all. Well, so when he actually sings not on that song. Well, he's also hamming some, I, it up on that song. I got some shit to say about this song. I just want to say We know. Before Dennis gets mad, uh 
this when Dennis brought it up that should we do should we cover war pigs and edge of the world um it got me thinking of how war pigs being placed as a second to last song and then uh edge of the world with its wildly different sound they feel like bonus tracks um if if i hadn't only ever been exposed to the cd version of this album uh but i could see people thinking that, you know, like Edge of the World, because it's a fucking lounge song at the end of a, you know, funky metal album, that it's a bonus track that they just threw in for fun. In reality, it's the closer. I thought, uh, it, I very well until today, I thought it could have been a uh, cover. Fun fact about Edge of the World, it apparently appears as track six on the cassette version. What? Wow. So it's more in- integrated with the album, yeah. Yeah. What's the actual closer on the cassette? Um, uh, I'm assuming it's still Woodpecker from Mars. I don't think Warpigs is on it. Hmm. Not on the cassette version. Hmm. I bet, That's what I I bet the antenna of the cassette version to be the official. <laughs> like, cassette will last. Oh, no. Warpigs is there. It ends on Warpigs. Hmm. I was kind of wondering when you just brought up that point, too, that since those two tracks weren't on the LP version, that maybe when they did edge of the world they did intend for it to be somewhere else if they were going to put all the songs on every version of the cd that's what i was wondering about the song because there's no guitar and it's such like a it's such a vocal driven song that i always wondered is this one they actually wrote with mike Patton? because um, to me it also sounds like the direction they went afterwards should yeah. we should we just go ahead and get done with dennis's section the bad well, what yeah, mean? I mean, we're about to move on to the bad. This is the last song, so. I'm excited to hear Dennis talk. I'm so, I'm, he's swelling. Not. He's, I, there's smoke It's like me with Purple Rain. Ears. It's like me with Purple Rain, but it's going to be uh, meaner. Nick hated Purple he, Rain. He usually doesn't stop talking. Well, I guess your wish came true today, Brad. <laughs> but yeah. Not uh, for the next two hours. That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my good, guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from out of nowhere, I think it's a good opener. Um, I enjoy the keyboards. I like the chorus. I think the instrumental's good. They're all good musicians. Um, moving on to Epic, I think the chorus is pretty good. Uh, not really into the vocals in the chorus, but the instrumental's good on this song, too. Uh, I like the guitar solo a lot, and I'm surprised you didn't mention this, Nick, but the piano coda is great. What? The, epic? the piano outro. The movie yeah, awesome. outro. It's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I actually had that in my notes. I don't know why I didn't mention that. When the fish is that. flopping. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When Patton's flopping. It's yeah, yeah. iconic. Uh, falling to it, pieces. They had some uh, controversy there. True. This is also a pretty good instrumental. That's just a common thing for the album. I think Ooh. this is one of the strongest courses on the album, and I really like the keyboards. Uh, Surprise, you're dead. It's the it's the heaviest song on the album, and there's some really strong riffing. And I mean, I like thrash metal, so obviously I like this song. Um, yeah. Uh, zombie eaters. Um, wipe my I think butt. I, I think it's a good arrangement. You the like wipe my butt good. And piss me? What? Wipe my butt and piss me? I'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, the real thing. I think it's the best he song on the album. Like um, I feel like he didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, real thing, best song. Yeah, real thing's the best song for me, uh, hands down. Uh, Underwater love. I like the subtlety of this song, but I also made a note that this is like a good filler song but but now i'm just kind of thinking that it's just it's just in the wrong place of the album it's not really filler yeah brett uh, brought up a good point with that 
Yeah. Uh, there's the same thing with Morning After. I kind of thought it was like a good filler song. Uh, I just think it's misplaced on the album. Um, I like the keyboards. It's got some really nice riffing after the chorus, where Jim Martin really shows off. Uh, I like the bass on this one a lot, too. Uh, Woodpecker from Mars is a great instrumental. And I'm glad there's no vocals. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> That's all the good I had to say. Okay, what world famous bad? The bad. Um, I don't have too much bad to say about the songs. Um, I just had on zombie eaters, and I just put in quotes, "wipe my butt." <laughs> um, uh, morning after. That's good though. Morning. I, that's a good thing. <laughs> morning after. <laughs> wipe my butt? Question mark. Is it? Is it <laughs> yeah, bad? Right. No, but, uh, like the sex noises. It's, it's on the good and the bad. The list. sex noises in Tango in the Night. Yeah. Is that good or yeah, bad? I like it. <laughs> like Tango the Diner. I was like, is Stevie Nicks a singer? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> but the morning after, I think, is you know a little forgettable. But the more that I think about what you said, Brett, and what you said, Dennis, uh, I think it might just be misplaced. Um, I think morning after is simply just misplaced. Yeah. And it could have been more thought out. I think if you had maybe three weeks to write this entire album i'm reading through these these are all subjective and i don't agree really with any of them i just thought of reasons why people might not like this That's exactly <laughs> and like so i uh but this can seem dated depending on the view of the listener and I just put in quotes um i don't know if we need to explain this for the listeners but the the red hot chili peppers argument um so there was some controversy when this record came out, particularly the, the, the video for Epic, um, where Anthony Kiedis, singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers, apparently thought that Mike Patton was uh, borrowing too heavily from his style, is what he referred to it whether, as. Whether accidental or not, I could see it. I can see it, yes. But also, be fucking humble you piece of shit dude yeah. you're influencing other musicians i feel like Patton, at age 19 handled that better than anthony kiedis did when he was much older than him. mike Patton just changed his style completely and said all right fuck you mike he Patton... literally shaved his head and like stopped doing rap metal mike Patton was kind of a dick about it though he did i watched some interviews where he was like anthony kiedis ruined mr bungle's career Oh well, that was later. Like that. that that was much then, later. What did he like? What? How? How? Because he got him kicked off some festivals or something. Yeah, he like said, that. "I don't want, I don't want that like copying piece of shit on on my show." And so they kicked Mr. Bungle off this fe- big def- festival. In his defense, Mike Patton uh, on stage many a time made fun of his uh, heroin addiction and things like that, which That's to me is say. funny. But it is funny, but it's also <laughs> he's a dick about comedy. it. That's comedy. Wait, that was a Metallica. Was, Metallica did that for Alice in Chains. Right? Yeah, that's true. Is that the same kind of thing? Oh yeah. They were in a comedy trope together. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Improv. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, in this case, was the bigger band. I guess so. I was reading someone talking about, because uh, I was watching a video of Mike Patton doing the whole, like, during a Mr. Bungle show, like, pretending to shoot up and, like, overdose, <laughs> making fun of Anthony Because they were doing, like, Red Hot Chili Pepper covers. Yeah, they, they would play uh, whatever, you know, their big song was at the time. And then, but someone in the comments was talking about how in like the mid nineties, they saw Mr. Bungle live and Mike Patton was wearing a jumpsuit and like a bunny hat, or like a bunny head mask. And like he, he stood the whole time still 
like with his head tilted, and then started peeing his pants. <laughs> There's one story on the uh, the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour. Someone threw a bottle, like it was capped and everything, but it was just piss. Someone like threw it up on the stage. Mike Patton just took it, just fucking dumped it on his head. Ew. I don't genius. like that. <laughs> it's genius. Genius. <laughs> I don't like but, that story. But regardless, the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers argument is something I feel like has to be addressed in this. But I feel like if you really know this band, to I me, there's like, no comparison. I feel like Mike Patton was begrudgingly doing that. Like he he joined a rap rock band, and really, like seventy five percent of this is not rap rock. You yeah, know? he made it. Um, you know, I don't. It, it's kind of indescribable, but he made it his own thing, like an R and B kind of voice. Yeah, it's I interesting agree. that you keep saying R and B because I never made that comparison. You don't think that at all? He's 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 doing like soul vocals. I mean, I guess that goes into my next negative here. Is that he, uh, he's doing like parody soul vocals, but they're <laughs> really good. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I never thought of it as soul vocals. It all, but you can't help her. It's like I just sound like it's like Jack Black, but borderline really, South really, Park, but really good. Yeah, <laughs> but that brings me to my next negative point: is that uh, you know, I love it, but Patton's voice is definitely not for everybody. Um, how I was talking about how the first three songs all really fit together, and it's like they trick people into buying this album. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, uh. It's it may be too varied for and not what people signed up for if they just heard Epic and bought the CD hoping for a whole record of that. It's um, perfect for fifteen year olds at the mall. Yes, you know? that's true. Uh, I heard this song on the radio once. <laughs> but on the other end, um, uh, I feel like there's like I was talking about kind of in the intro. Um, uh, I almost feel like this album is the least like. I don't know. It has the least amount of risks for most of the Faith No More albums. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, which, you know, to me isn't necessarily a negative because they get pretty fucking out there in later records and even previous ones. Even but versus like, the first two? Introduce Yourself, yeah. That that goes to some weird places. Those are, those are stupid weird, though. <laughs> those are dumb weird. Well, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what people might possibly think of as a negative you know i think this right? is i think this is them like controlling the chaos a little yeah. bit and saying why don't we why don't we try and do something people might like for a minute yeah see what happens yeah. and then with angel dust they're like mm, we don't yeah, yeah no, we don't like that. undo that we don't like that but and the last thing i had to say is that um with the two tracks added at the end war pigs and edge of the world it gets a little lengthy for sure, and the then the CD the track listing is is a little off, but um, that's that's all I really have to say for negative. And like I said, most of that I don't even agree with. So I I love this album, but, but yeah, I wrote down too that Mike Patton's vocals. Uh, I was like you, I was trying to find bad things to say. Uh, his vocals can be a little too nasally at times, but to me that is forgiven with the schedule he was on and his age because this is also an interesting if if you're like a you know follow mike Patton's career he never sounds like this again yeah on anything um so yeah yeah Yeah. that's it for me 
Now I'll let Dennis talk for an hour. <sighs> okay. Um, I mean, the first negative I gotta say, as soon as Mike Patton starts singing, I'm really annoyed with him. Uh, his his vocals are really nasally, and I hate it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just going into epic. Um, this is where like he he really starts doing the rap vocals, and it's probably the only place in the album where it's like this is definitely like rap metal for sure 100 percent and i hate it it sounds stupid <laughs> it's for sure rap metal yeah it's 100 percent rap metal it's not, and then, it's not sorry and then there's like maybe a couple other spots in the album where it's like oh this is kind of going into rap metal but not really here it's like nose diving into it and i hate it uh i think the lyrics on this song are dumb uh <laughs> he's talking about sex but they're like and what song epic are just, there lyrics just, con- just contradictions. Yeah, like they're talking about sex, but they're like... I've never heard... They, they, they won't say the word sex. sex, and it's like, what is it? It's it. Like, oh, shh, don't say sex. Don't say I've it. I've never made that interpretation. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's about anything. It's about sex. I, I, it's I for sure about sex. I don't think it's about anything. It's 100% about sex. <laughs> it's magic. It's tragic. It's a loss. <laughs> it's a win. Here, listen. Dennis is right. Uh, it's crying, bleeding, lying on the floor, so you lay down on it and you do it some more. He's just saying words. It's just words, Dennis. I think Dennis is right. Not everything no. is about something. That's. I'm serious. Most things okay. aren't about anything. Okay, well, this song is for sure about sex. <laughs> he says it's disagree. dark, it's moist, it's a bitter pain. Fully disagree. This song's moist about nothing. Moist is... A vagina. This song is an accidental hit about nothing. Okay. Well, like I don't Bohemian agree with that Rhapsody. at all. So... Uh, I also think the slap bass on the first verse sounds real dumb. That shit's awesome, dude. Sounds stupid. <laughs> um, and then going going on to the next track, Falling to Pieces, uh, that bass intro sounds like corn. No. And it happens twice intro, in the song. Well, the bass intro rules. Dennis really is going off. That's yeah, actually changed. funny you say that, That bass intro is the best part of the album. <laughs> They, if, uh, if this is the best part of the album, then this album is shit. That's what made me like the band. Okay. They were supposed to be on tour this year with Korn. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah, these guys definitely influenced new metal. It's very obvious. Um, yeah, this for is sure. like the first new metal album. Uh, I will say the pre-chorus in Falling to Pieces, the vocals are god-awful. Indecision, in my vision. It's terrible. Indecision, clouds my vision. Uh, just moving on down the album. Uh, Surprise Your Dead is a pretty good song. Um, uh, there's there's a part in the verse where like his vocals get really fast. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's just funny. Um, this song to me. It, it's pretty much like a precursor to Pizza Thrash. <laughs> pizza that's thrash fair. Yes, that's fair. It was around at this time, though. I, I have always thought it's funny. Tankard in that song, had like fucking 15 albums by this time. In that song when he goes, I'll put your neck with a fatal blow. That part's funny. <laughs> it's very bungle. Um, I think he had some great... Blah! Yeah, <laughs> in that song. Yeah, it, uh, his vocals for the most part are pretty strong in this song, but it's it still got some. I got some issues. Do you like with his it. vocals overall? Do you think he's a good singer, or do you think he's? Do you? It sounds like you kind of 
really hate him. Or do you I, just not like this out al- his his nasally vocals on this album? Every Faith No More single that I've heard that's from an album after this, I like his vocals. Yeah. So. Have you ever listened to um, Peeping Tom? No. I would say give it a shot. It's his like. It's what he says is pop music, but it's like kind of like weird electronic. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust what Mike Patton thinks is pop music. It's not pop music at all, <laughs> but it's very like Massive it's, Attack is on it. I'm um, not. It's actually like Cardi B style, like modern <laughs> pop. But he did it in like fucking '87. <laughs> no, it's just like weird, kind of glitchy electronic rock. I don't want to really burst your bubble, Max, but I'm not going to look into anything Mike Patton did. Okay. <laughs> Dennis does. He's not a fan. No. Um, uh, zombie eaters. These lyrics are dumb. <laughs> they are pretty silly. It's just dumb. Um, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what about the rest of the song? What about the song? I, I mean, the, the music's fine. I like the music. Uh, I like the music on pretty much every song on this album. Um, I just don't like Mike Patton. Um, I don't know if I would have liked this more with Chuck Mosley on it. I, he's, I don't, he's way worse. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've heard We Care a lot, and I, I don't like Chuck Mosley either. So, You focus a lot on, on lyrics, don't you? Are lyrics a big part of albums for you? Uh, yeah. Usually. Um, lyrics are so tertiary for me. Like, I don't even... Lyrics are something where I'm like, what are they saying here? In choruses, I go, okay, I hear this. And the rest is, unless it's like a story. Lyrics are usually what I dissect last. Yeah, it's the last thing. I really like. See, that's that's interesting that you say you don't really pay attention to the lyrics, but you you disagreed with me real hard that Epic is about something. It's not (laughs) about anything. That's what I'm saying. It 100% is. I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's not. Those lyrics are about nothing. I'm telling you that I you're wrong. Lyrics, I know when lyrics are about nothing. And Epic is about nothing. Okay, sure. That's why they didn't name okay, it. Bud. Okay, bud. Okay, bud. <laughs> okay, Boomer. Hope I can do it back. <laughs> okay, Boomer. We a fucking fight. Uh, the title that track. song is about sex between different types of people. Uh, the title track... I don't really have anything bad to say about this other than the placement on the album. They shouldn't have just been thrown in the middle. Um, yeah. Uh, I would agree that having the two longest songs on the album besides War Pigs, kind of a weird choice. But it also, I mean, I'm so used to the way this album works that it's kind of gone past a complaint and just, you know, that's just how it is. I think the structure. The structure could have been different. I think they could have maybe alternated heavy and, you know, more pop kind of style of songs. That is one uh, complaint I would have. Uh. Then for me, like, if you do that, though, you get something like, you know, like what we were talking about last time with Tango of the Night. And my main problem with the structure of that record was that it alternates too much where, like, you know, it's like, oh, well, you get this weird, moody Buckingham song. 
and then you get like this pop hit that's like it just it was it was weird to me i don't know i i thought i don't know if i would like this album as much as if it wasn't like i mean yeah i like, thought tango on the ninth felt too half and half too though i don't know there there's a there's a distinction because like there's it's, a band called asphyx who one of their most recent albums they're they're like a death metal doom metal band one of their most recent albums is extremely like two minute fast song four minute slow song two minute fast song four minute slow song and it makes me not want to listen to it because it's such a clean break between every other song you know yeah i like i like the front half back half different feel concept Mm -hmm. yeah but this one has like a front half and then a back half that goes on for a while but then kind of goes back to the front half again Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah I see what I see what what everybody's saying about that. I just mean like I don't know if I would like it if they did, you know, like from out of nowhere, zombie eaters. <laughs> then like, really, you know, like just the, like alternated like that. The styles think, the styles are too distinct to alternate. But I don't think that they have just two it's, styles on the album either, though. Like it's pretty varied. I think the real thing should but have been the, the closer. There's, there is clearly a radio half and a heavy metal. Band yeah, half. yeah. Like there is. This is either a quote-unquote thrash group or a radio radio rock yeah exactly and it's kind of one or the other and and they could have maybe blended them better between the songs or i don't i don't know if there's a way to fix that rather than just make two separate albums you know they should just reorder the tracks I just think it's totally wrong. How would you order the tracks? Uh, I would probably open with Epic and then go right into Surprise You're Dead and then either put Underwater Love right in the morning after. <laughs> huh? <laughs> right into Surprise You're Dead. Yeah. I think that would, that would that's a real punchy one-two opener, though. Yeah, but that one doesn't like set the tone of the album at all. No, I'm saying what you. From Epic to Surprise You're Dead. Oh, yeah. That that's kind of like a you're getting you're getting funky you get the rap concept. Rock. You get this is a this is a catchy music album, but it's also weird and super heavy. Yeah. Um yeah, I just think the pacing on this album is just it's bad. <laughs> um uh the War Pigs cover just shouldn't be on the album. Just shouldn't be there. Sticks out like a sore thumb. It's a good cover, but it's just, it doesn't belong on the album. Um, Edge of the World. Um, like, this is some lounge music, elevator music, and it's way too focused on Mike Patton's terrible vocals. This is the worst song on the album. I think it's terrible. But it's about being a pedophile. Is that supposed to make me like it? Don't you like that, Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> we thought you, of all people. Huh. Dennis would like it. They actually revoked my membership, so I'm not allowed to like that stuff anymore. <laughs> For legal purposes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I was shocked when you said that this is a live staple for them. I would not want to hear this played live. I think this the song sucks. Fine. I love this song. I think you don't you... even like the music of it. No, Dennis. I think you don't get it. I think you don't understand. No, no, no. I'll tell you exactly why I feel the way I feel about this album and why you all feel the way you feel. You listened to it when you were in high school, 
and this album is very immature and obnoxious. Oh, damn. If you dude. if you heard this for the first time when you were 28 or 30, I don't think you would enjoy this. That's that's ridiculous. I don't know because I feel like this album was a grower for me. I think me. he's a fucking a, a incredible singer. I, I like I, more of this album now than I did when I was a kid. I I think he he's 50% good, 50% bad on this album vocally. This is this is definitely his worst performance of the I don't even want to say worst performance of his Faith No More albums because I don't think he sounds very good on King. This for a is day, the only this is but... the only Mike Patton performance I like. Really, I mean, the I, I'm familiar with the first Mr. Bungle album. I'm familiar with the uh, uh, Angel Dust album, and I've it, I've experimented in other ways, you know, of Mike Pattonness, <laughs> and I do not really like it. I really love this album. So you're telling me you don't like Mike Patton's new project, Corpse Flower, where he works with a French composer <laughs> no, I and sings avant-garde uh, chamber music? See, the more I hear about Mike I Patton, like him, the more it justifies my dislike for him. They just re-recorded the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. I'm actually really excited for that. On this album, he actually shows like an incredible control. He has flawless fucking singing talent. He has great range. <laughs> He's a fucking R&B singer. He does rap shit, and it's... It it sounds kind of ironic when he does it, but he's good at it. And then he he throws in like I don't know. I I think he's great. I think I think Mike Pat, Mike Patton is a very good singer. I agree with you. Well, I he, think he's great. He's a dynamic vocalist, and I think it's kind of funny that we brought up that whole like in popular music vocal range where he's up there with Axl Rose. Axl Rose also has. A very big range i'll just say they both have terrible tones of voice well like i said it's not for everybody i mean you know i so can understand i can understand why someone wouldn't like his voice it's just that i just i do yeah uh can i have a question for you dennis okay go for it what do you think of the um like bass and drum work besides thinking that sounds like corn which i get it would sound like corn if it didn't have the keyboards behind it but not tuned down low enough uh, well it, that song doesn't start off with the keyboards it takes like a couple seconds for those to come in and then you realize oh this isn't corn yeah uh but did you so you said you really like, I like most corn, of like the instrumentation <laughs> and the actual music no yeah, it's think... just the kind of the vocals are just kind of like the, the layer on top that sours the whole thing for you pretty much yeah I think they're all good musicians. <laughs> yeah, I think I think. Okay, this has this has a level of tongue and cheekness and fun. I don't that, I don't think anything on here is funny. Like, it's the intentional comedy isn't funny. That's totally fair. That like, if it just doesn't hit for you, it doesn't. Like, I would compare Mike Patton's sense of humor to Frank Zappa's, where I find them both really cringy. <laughs> It is. It is the same, like ironic. Yeah. It, I don't think it's as cringy as, like a Zappa type of thing, but. I think it's pretty close, and it's similar. I think Mike. I think Mike Patton and Frank Zappa are similar in their, like, it's what people would call avant-garde, sense of humor. 
I don't know anything about. I don't know much Frank Zappa. I don't know what is he Moonchild? What was that that he named his kid? Moon Unit. Moon Unit. That's all I know about Frank Zappa. Oh, I don't know, but that sounds like something stupid Frank Zappa would do. <laughs> was that the guy? That was the Deep Purple rant you went on too. Was like how much you hate Frank Zappa? Yeah. Okay. He hated the song smoke on the water because they said frank zappa in it yeah and if i heard a song that name dropped mike Patton, it would annoy me just the same (laughs) (laughs) mike Patton and the faith no more dennis just sees red (laughs) (laughs) that would make dennis turn into a stupid with a flare gun but yeah i'm done with my negatives until we do our overall wrap-ups so nice Max? Um, all I really have to add is just kind of elaborating on the lyrics are pretty silly sometimes. Uh, so when you, to me, most of the time when the lyrics, like we were just saying, I don't pay attention to a lot of lyrics in music. Uh, lyrics on, don't matter. They do. They do matter. But to me at least. <clears throat> when the albums stick out on this album, 90% of the time it's because he's saying something silly. They... They are uneven, but I don't really focus on that because, like, yeah, some of them are goofy and not that great, um, or just about, you know, nothing or really stereotypical stuff, but the stuff that he really thought about, like I said, the real thing, I went on that whole rant about how I love the lyrics and that, um, that's just a bonus for me. I don't look at it as a detractor so much that they're not exactly the same quality it's just that some of them exceed in a great way that just adds to it for me because i enjoy the music so much i don't really care about the lyrics a lot of the time even if they are dumb even if they are wiping butt and stuff <laughs> i like butt wipe i like wipe butt and piss me i, I think that's fun now i know i've said this whole time that i thought this album was pretty good i i hate this album i hate everything about this <laughs> I think it's a total joke. Except the butt? Except wipe my butt and piss me. <laughs> that brings it up to a 1% for me. That's fair. <laughs> I I would honestly probably put this at a point two. Oh, you can't do that. I can't do point twos? Can I do one point? Whole numbers, baby. Uh, fuck! <laughs> I, I actually don't have anything bad that I haven't already said. Real. Okay. Um, yeah, for my overall thoughts, um, they're all really good musicians. Um, it's a fun album. Um, you said you didn't have fun at all. I said I didn't think any of the intentional comedy was funny. You said you didn't wipe your butt. <laughs> Who um, pissed you? <laughs> I, those are kind of my only two good things I can say about it. Uh, uh, Nick brought it up that the production's good. The production is good. I didn't really think about it, but it is. It's clean. If, I like if how you it didn't sounds. think about the production, it's good. That's the def- the definition of. I was production. too distracted by Mike Patton's vocals. Um, that's that's my main negative. Uh, Mike Patton's vocals, they he's not consistently terrible, but they can get really terrible where he sounds like he sounds like fucking Fran Drescher. It sounds really bad. He he. They can sometimes get so nasally that it can hurt my ears a little bit if I'm listening to this on headphones. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, other than a few songs where the lyrics get pretty good, like the title track, um, 
it's all just kind of immature and obnoxious. Uh, uh, I think the track order is pretty bad. Uh, the pace is all kinds of wrong on this album. Um, and there's just, there's just too many moments that remind me of new metal. And I don't like that. Um, you don't like Limp Bizkit? No. <laughs> I. That's the that's the cold open. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. <laughs> you don't like Limp Bizkit? And then the fucking intro music. <laughs> like nostalgic things don't really hold a lot of value to me. So I mean, like I don't have fond memories of Limp Bizkit and Corn. Like it was all just like really shitty. So. Um, so you're saying that you never nod Dr. Boom, not to Emid? <laughs> uh, when I was like nine years old, yeah, when I didn't know any better. Um, but yeah. Um, I, I think I was pretty generous with this. I gave it a 69. Damn. I was expecting like a 40. I figured you'd actually do it around there just for the instrumentation if you didn't like Patton's vocals. That The instrumentation There's and the title track. There's synth on this album. Oh, yeah. There is. Yeah, the instrumentation and the title track kind of saved this one. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad you found something in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to buy this album, and I'm not going to look into Faith more and more. I'll probably never listen to this again, but I, I think it's almost a good album. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Pretty much what I was expecting was that you would either really like this or because of Mike Patton really dislike it yeah. I, I have a hard he time really believing that you'd think i'd really like this i thought you might because it's because it is actually i good. thought you I, I just i thought since you had only heard epic i wasn't sure what way you'd go whether you'd really like it or hate it but like i was more curious just to know if you were surprised at what it sounded like it wasn't as bad as i expected it to be yeah but yeah, I feel like the more I listen to it, I, I might actually lower my rating. <laughs> Did it become a chore for you to get through it? A little bit. Yeah. That was like me with Purple Rain, too. You know, not for everybody. That's what this is for, guys. Yeah. Uh, wow. If I heard this the power. in Shit. high school or when I was like 13, 16, I'd probably be a lot more into it. If I was a little baby ass bitch yeah, when I heard I mean, this, I might like it. I think you are uh, falsely assuming that our nostalgia for this, though, is, is affecting how we feel about it. I, I would have a really hard time believing that somebody our age who didn't know what this was and listens to it for the first time would think it's awesome. I feel that same way about Blink-182. Right? <laughs> I mean... Is that kind of what you're saying? I mean, the way Blink-182 is. Or like Weezer. Like, I don't think yeah. anyone actually likes Weezer's new music. They just have fans who have been into Weezer for 20 years. I the, I would say Faith No More has more merit than Blink-182 and Weezer. Okay. Um, we're getting, so we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's high praise. All right, yeah. Max. Okay, so uh, my overall thoughts on this album, um, I'm very glad Nick picked it because 
I haven't thought about Faith No More in a while. This was a a teenage favorite, um, and it's a teenage favorite. You say to to further Dennis's point, um, but it has absolutely just Nick just unlocked the floodgate floodgates for me. Um, I love this album. I have no flaws with it besides the pacing. Um, I don't really have much else to say. Uh, my score for it would be a ninety-seven out of one hundred. Did you say 97? 97? I was struggling to find bad things to say about this. Wow. Wow. Damn. It's amazing. I wanted to give it a 100, but I felt like I would get a lot of shit from you guys if I did. <laughs> if you want to give it a 100 and give it a 100. Well, then I thought about I was like, let don't, me don't, 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 don't I was like I was like, let me think about some let me pick out some negatives. Okay, if that's how you really feel. Yes, it is. I know Nick was reaching into the bag of the general opinion of negative things that maybe somebody could feel about it, but it's not his opinion. So <laughs> I scoured reviews. <laughs> All right, Brett. Well, going into just general thoughts about this album, I think before this album, this band was pretty mediocre. Not bad i i think we care a lot's a good song i think that is actually an exceptional song and mike Patton turned this band into a three-dimensional like mike Patton turned this band on this album into something incredible and i don't think anything he did after this was as good i think this for me was the perfect is moment. the peak is the peak yeah yeah i like that they still have Jim Martin, like thrash thrash metal guitars, Roddy Bottom doing the like atmospheric keyboards. It's a unique combination that doesn't it's, really exist. It doesn't <laughs> oh exist, God. and it you can call it a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers ripoff, but it's not at all. You know, there's like, no comparison. There there is that rap rock thing, but it it's not. That's that's twenty five percent of it. You know, if you actually listen to it, it's so 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 much deeper. And um, I think um, I think Mike Patton is a virtuoso. I think he embodied like '90s, this '90s kind of that Bart Simpson thing we were talking about. He's really fucking. He's checking out a cow, man. He's ironic. He's like sarcastic, and and it's he's got a sneer. Yeah, but he is doing this flawless, like. 70s female soul vocalist would you say that he's bratty i wouldn't say he's bratty really i wouldn't say a little some of his interviews he can come across as kind of maybe i i wouldn't say bratty i would say i would say sarcastic and i don't know maybe bratty okay i don't know maybe (laughs) maybe but i think the way he sings is can be grating, but what he's doing is technically fucking impressive. Even an epic, that chorus, you want it all about you, you know, that that is, that's some serious fucking singing. That's why that song is a serious hit, you know? And he does that all throughout this album. It's a, it's a serious, like, 
you know, for real singing. I, I think it's incredible. And I think the guitar work, it, it's real heavy metal fucking guitar, guitaring. Yeah, Jim is great. Yeah. I think the keyboarding is solid throughout. I think the uh, the bass, super duper funky. <laughs> First bass you ever heard? First bass I ever heard. <laughs> Once again, I just want to say. Baum, baum. I just want to say, Billy Gould is just a monster He's on a, that four string. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Billy Gould in the Brixton DVD where he wears a Napalm Death shirt. Gotta love that shit. <laughs> God damn. I think listening to this, and especially... I think the War Pigs cover proves these guys love music. They love shaking things up while paying tribute to the roots. <laughs> this album is fucking great. I give it one point for every year in the 1900s. 89. <laughs> All right, Nick, bring us home. All right. Um... As I was kind of talking about in the beginning, um, this album can be described as absurdly accurate in its execution, but it has equal passion in the playing, and it creates this great synergy. They are definitely a musician's band, like we were talking about before, Um, and I don't know if it's because I'm an immature, nostalgic asshole, but they're artsy and unapologetic, and I just, I absolutely love the attitude that they bring (laughs) into the album. I, I, I love it. It's great. Um, I have consistently listened to this album since I first heard it well over a decade ago. Uh, there are parts that I feel like I connect with on a very intimate level, lyrically and musically. Um, whether it comes from the craftsmanship of the individual parts, the lyrics, melodies, whatever, it's just a great blend of everything to me. Um, like I said, it has this very distinct personality that I, I realize isn't for everyone, but it just it connects with me. It just hits really right. Um, it served as a gateway to a band that I very much admire and respect, and it is and will be a, li- a lifelong pleasure in my life. This sounds like a wedding vow. I know. <laughs> I give it a 93. And that's less than Max's. <laughs> I'm a straight-up fanboy. Well, something just happened that I wasn't expecting. Oh, this is currently that, huh? the greatest album of all time at an eighty-seven <laughs> percent. Read the albums of the greatest albums of all time in order. Uh, in from, order, from four so to one. the number one is "The Real Thing" by Faith No More. Number two is "Machine Head" by Deep Purple. Number three is "Purple Rain" by Prince and the Revolution. And at fourth and at the bottom is Tango in the Night by Fleetwood Mac. And then if you want to deep dive into the lore. We got to talk about what we're doing next week. And just just for some context, these first four records that we were picking, we decided to make reasonably accessible and somewhat well-known. Now it's about to get obscure. No. Well, maybe obscure, maybe not. But we've got free reign on whatever we want. My picks, my picks gonna be are gonna be obscure. Oh, Mine I hope too. you guys like nineteen thirties gypsy jazz. Okay, <laughs> oh, I think I will. I think I really will. I pick something really not obscure. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm I mean, gonna it's be. fine. Okay, you pick what I, you want. I expected you to pick something that people know. 
Is that an insult? No, it's really not. I'm just saying, like... Let me guess. Is this a Ted Nugent album? No. Mungo Jerry? I think... Beach Boys. I, I did tell you I would. I didn't. <laughs> I was so close to Beach Boys. All right. Damn Mungos. Let's get some hints. This is a band you would not associate me with. It's an 80s band. One of, one of the biggest rock bands of the 80s. Give me some guesses before I... You too. The hair metal? It's not you two. No. Journey? Nope. No, that you would associate Brett with Journey. Um, let's see. Firehouse. Three piece. Three piece. Dennis is closing in on it. I see his eyes working. The police. Yes. Really? Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which one? I don't know. Can you guess? <laughs> Synchronicity. Yes. All oh, right. Huh. Okay. I've nice. <laughs> All right. I cho- I picked their last album, Synchronicity. I I'm assuming it's their swan song. I picked a band that is not in my wheelhouse because any band I pick, I'm just gonna give them a ninety plus. So I picked a band that I think I might like, but I'm not sure. I think we, we do talk about this band a lot outside of you know, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. I actually really listened to the police for the first time about two months ago, so this will be interesting. I think it's interesting. I think this is an it interesting, is interesting. Band. Yeah. Every time I heard them, I go, "Oh dang, these them's cats is good." <laughs> I think here's a little spoiler for all y'all folks. You guys are really gonna like the title track on this album. <laughs> I just can't wait. So, have you not listened to this album? I mean, I've heard half of it on the radio. Okay. When did, when did it come out? Like 85? 84? Uh, came out in 83. Hmm. I have not listened to the album all the way through. So I picked something I have not... I, I'm not familiar with. It was bold of you to call the police a rock band. I will say. No, it wasn't. <laughs> How is that bold? I don't... When I think of like 80s rock, I think of like Whitesnake or something. That's, that's, metal. that's, why, metal. I, that's why I asked if it was hair metal. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know what rock is. When I think of when I think of the police, I think of like like new wave pop. That's rock. I mean, yeah. If it rocks, it rolls. Learn what things are, and then talk. No, this is all opinion. But yeah, thanks for uh, tuning into Musical Squares. Next time, we're gonna talk about the police, not the bad ones. Oh damn! Uh, yeah, we, we, we can't. Skate, skate, skate.